Hey, um, we are transitioning. We just got done with a series on Philippians where we went verse by verse. And I don't know about you, but when I um, just seek the Lord in my quiet times, I find that a lot of times um, if I do something, one thing too long, it gets a little stagnant and it gets a little stale. And so in my personal quiet times, I need to mix things up from time to time. Sometimes I will do a study just on one or two verses in my quiet time. Other times I'll read an entire chapter or an entire section of the Word of God. Other times I kind of just open up the Bible and I'll just flip and I'll just go. I just try to keep things alive and fresh. And I just want you to know that's what we're doing as a teaching team here at Shine Church is uh, we want to go verse by verse at times and other other times we want to do a topical study. For the summer, we felt like the Lord wanted us to actually do something that's even a little bit more random, and that is this. Our teaching team is just going to share with you stories that have impacted their life, stories from the Word of God that have encouraged and brought strength in uh, the life of the, the teaching pastor. And so we're going to call it Summer Stories, and we're super excited, and I get to kick it off uh, this week. And I'm going to kick it off with the story of Moses. And as you can see, we, I, Jordan actually put some really cool pictures of your teaching team. Um, so each week, look forward to these wonderful shots that he found on Facebook. So I, I, I did not approve this, but I, I am encouraging it now. So... Um, so here's what I'm going to do. I want to start by reading the story about Moses. So I'm going to read all of Exodus, all of Deuteronomy, all of Leviticus, all of Numbers. Get ready for a really good nap. Just kidding. I was actually trying to figure out, all right, how do I summarize this? And I was reminded that in Acts, Stephen, right before he gets stoned, he actually gives a really good summation of uh, the story of Moses. I mean, the story of the Israelites, to be honest with you. And I'm just going to pick the portion about Moses. Uh, before I read that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now and we ask that you would just speak to us. Lord, I pray that I would decrease and you would increase in me and that every word that I speak from this moment forward would be led by your Holy Spirit. May there be no Dan DeMay in it, but only the Holy Spirit that is inspiring these words that are going forth from my mouth. And so, Lord, I pray that as I speak these things, it would penetrate into the hearts of every person. Lord, my heart and my hope is that every single one of us in this room would leave today encouraged and uplifted in the things that you have for each one of us. So, Lord, I pray that you would come into this room and that you would do the supernatural. Lord, we pray for an encounter from you. We want to encounter you and your goodness and your faithfulness. And Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. Amen. All right, I'm going to go to Acts chapter 7. And if you want to follow along, you can go to the YouVersion Bible app on your phone. Um, if you click the little three bars on the bottom right, um, it'll bring up a section called events. You can click on events and you'll see Shine Church listed there and you can follow along. I'm going to pick up in verse 17 and it goes like this. As the time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt had greatly increased. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. He dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our ancestors by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so that they would die. Can you even imagine, church, living in a time where the leader was so treacherous that your child being born because he didn't like you so much, that your child being born would be thrown out. And it was a command, and it was something that um, it couldn't be hidden from. They, they would kill your baby. I, I can't even imagine it, but this is the time that Moses was born into. At that time, Moses was born, and he was with no ordinary child. 
For three months, he was cared for by his family. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him, brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. I want you to remember that verse because I'm going to talk about it in a little bit. But it says that he was powerful in speech and action. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian. So he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. Uh, just real quick, um, how did Moses even know this? I wonder, I, and Stephen doesn't go into the story, but remember um, Pharaoh's daughter picks up Moses and an Israelite woman, I believe it's sister, comes and says, hey, we, have, we know somebody that could wean uh, this child for you. And so uh, Pharaoh's daughter gives Moses back to his mother, and she gets to wean Moses. And some people believe that when she was weaning him to the age of five or six or so, that she was constantly telling him, you're going to be the one that redeems our people. You're the one that's going to redeem our people. So just real quick, mothers, you have great Great power in your words over your children. Speak forth those things. But at some point, in some way, Moses knew this. And here we have Stephen recounting the story that he went and thought, okay, maybe this is the time. So he kills that Egyptian. Um, Moses thought of his own people, realized that God was not using him to rescue them. They did not. Verse 26, the next day Moses came up upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight, and he went over to get a closer look. He heard the Lord say, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. This is the same Moses that, had re that they had rejected with the words, who made you ruler and judge? He was sent to be their ruler and deliverer by God himself. Through the angel who appeared to him in the bush, he led them out of Egypt and performed wonders and signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and for 40 years in the wilderness. This is the Moses who told the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your own people. And that's really the end of Stephen's account of Moses. He goes on a little bit further. The Pharisees and Sadducees don't like what he says, and they end up stoning him. But I thought, what an incredible recap of really what Moses accomplished. And so here's what I want to do. Um, if you're new to Shine Church, we are glad that you are here. Sit back and enjoy what God has for you. Uh, maybe you haven't heard me speak, um, but when I, when I share, I like to get some interaction. And so I've got Pastor Rob with a microphone back there, and I just want to ask a question. As you heard that story, or maybe um, you've heard other stories about Moses, I just want to know, what do you think about Moses? When you hear his name, when you think about Moses, what comes to mind? Or, or maybe ask yourself this 
question. How do you view Moses? When, when somebody, if somebody came up to you and said, um, I've heard about Moses, I haven't really read the Bible, um, tell me about Moses. What, what would you say in a sentence, and how would you describe Moses? So just lift your hand, and, and we'll uh, get the mic to you. Right here? We're going to get Rob's steps in this morning. I would say that Moses was the guy that had, like, everything went wrong, and he didn't really have speech, and he didn't do the right things, but still God used him for mighty things. I think it's a testimony that no matter what happens in your life, no matter what circumstances have happened, and no matter what you've chosen to do, like, in anything, God can still use your life. And um, Moses is, I think, like 65 when he finally gets, you know, called from, from God to go do this. So I think it's, you know, it's a really cool, I don't know, it's a really cool testimony to me. So Love it. Okay. Somebody else? Way over here. And I love, as you go over there, Rob, I, I love what you're saying in the fact that um, even though he messed up, God still used him. Anybody relate to that? I know you're all perfect. For me, it was very encouraging in the fact that uh, God can use those of us that mess up. So I just saw a lot of, um, in the beginning of that, I don't know that I ever remember uh, something being said that he was powerful in speech. Uh, because later he says, God, who am I? I can't talk, right? Kind of like me, but... Um, experience. I'm just seeing a lot of experience in his life from being way up here, you know, uh, a chosen person, right? Out of all the babies that were killed, he wasn't. And he was picked out and that he was not ordinary. He was, he was probably handsome and, and powerful and, and educated. And yet he went through a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. He went through a lot of junk yeah. that just took him down, humbled him. And he had to find find God in That's in good. all of a bunch of junk, you know, That's and then God used him. That's good. Right? That was really good. Somebody else. Oh Greg real quick. Uh, I love what you said about um the the humbling and the fact that God still was able to use him in his junk. I hope that's encouraging for everybody listening to that. So I would just say, you know, Moses had to continue to trust in God's timing. If you think about the time he spent, okay, uh, when he had 40 years to go out and have two sons, and then the time he spent in the wilderness leading his people, you know, think about all the grumbling that went on and with the serpents and everything. And he had to constantly listen to God and trust that what God told him was going to happen. That's but, so good. you know, it's just, it's, it's just patience and that God's timing is not your timing. But Moses relied on God to say, I know it will happen. 40 years, 10 years, 15 years. I mean, can you think about all the people that he was leading and the impatience that they had and the grumbling that went on? And he still remained loyal to God. Yeah, thank God we're not in a world that, where people are impatient and grumbling. I thank God that we don't have to live in that world, right? 
Anybody else, when you think about Moses right here? Um, gee, that was so, so good. And it's funny because you must have been reading in my notes on the U-verse because you caught some of the stuff I want to talk about. When I think of Moses, I think that he was a man that sought obedience. And even though he made mistakes and fell down, he stood back up. I love it. Even though he made mistakes, he stood back up, still walked on in the things of God. Um, over here, okay. Unqualified and chosen. Say that again. Unqualified. Unqualified. And chosen. And yet still chosen. Ooh, Ooh that's good. Let me read to you what the Bible says about Moses. Deuteronomy 34, 10 through 12. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power and performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. How cool would it be if that was written on your gravestone? Think about that. I mean, what an, a remarkable statement about Moses and just the powerful um, way that the people saw him and that we look at him. I, nobody said this, but, I, you know, when I think about Moses, I think about how great he was. Um, in regards to the biblical characters of the Bible, I mean, I probably would list Paul. I, we have people, obviously Jesus, okay, don't, don't. He'd be first. But then Paul and Peter, and then going back to the Old Testament, you have Abraham, and Moses would probably be in the top five. Yes? Probably be in the top five of, of biblical characters. And so just what an incredible, what an incredible man. Hebrews eleven twenty three 23 talks about the faith that he had. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. The Bible, I, there's other verses that talked about the fact that he was the most humble man on the planet. Says that he was a friend of God. Says that he spoke to God as if face to face. And so the picture that we get biblically, and even through this room as we were just asking that question and answering it, is that Moses was a great man of God, yes? One that we can aspire to be like and look up to. All right, I have another question for you. What do you think Moses thought about himself? What do you think Moses thought about himself? What? Who am I? Okay, love that. Ordinary. Even though the scripture says he was not ordinary, he probably considered, some, considered himself very ordinary. What else? Insecure. Insecure. That's good. What else? Shameful. Filled with shame. Are you going back to when he killed the Egyptian and then, and then the Israelites didn't see? Yeah, I could see shame 
kind of being heaped on him. What else? Inadequate. Anybody else? Okay, it's very interesting to me that I asked that question and not a single person said anything like bold, confident, sure of himself. He never, he didn't think those things as we read scripture, did he? And so here's what I want you to get, church. Please understand this. I want to submit to you that Moses is you and you are Moses. And what I mean by that is, do you feel ordinary? God calls you extraordinary. Do you feel insecure? God says, I got a purpose and a plan for you that is greater than you could ever hope for or imagine. Do you feel like you can't do the things that God has called you to do? I'm telling you, God says, I have created you for this time and you can do whatever I ask you to do. As a matter of fact, I created you to do things that nobody else in this room can do and I created you to do those things. And so when you look at Scripture, you can see how Moses thought about himself and the way that God interacted with him was absolutely amazing. God speaks to him in a, a bush that's not consumed. It's interesting because at the, in Exodus, if you read through the chapter, read chapter 3 and 4, uh, it's just incredible about how Moses relates to God in this. He's in the desert and it says that a bush is being burned that's not being consumed. And so Moses was like, Dude, that's kind of strange. I'm going to go check that out. And so he goes over to this bush that's not being consumed, and God begins to speak to him out of that. And so God says, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to send you back to Egypt. And the very first thing that he says in Exodus 3.11 is this. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I? Who am I that should go? Anybody else relate to this? God asks you to do something. God puts something in your heart or in your mind and says, hey, I want you to step out. I want you to go do this. I want you to go speak to that person. I want you to go pray for this person. I want you to step out and do something that is stretching. And is it not our human nature? The first thing that we respond is, who am I to go do that? But God, don't you know what I did last night? Don't you know who I yelled at yesterday? Don't you know how I was driving on Friday. Who am I to go do that? Now here's something interesting. I read this quote and I thought it was just so good. Um, when Moses thought he was ready to deliver Israel, God thought he was not. When God thought Moses was ready to deliver Israel, Moses thought he was not. So many of us, maybe we'll get something from God, and when we were younger and we knew it all, we just stepped out in boldness and we went ahead of God. And now, as you get some experience, you begin to realize, oh, man, I, I don't know. I've got so many flaws, so many blemishes, so many things that hinder um, what God wants to do. I don't know. Who am I? And that was God's response. As I read through this story, it, was, it is one that encouraged, it has encouraged me and continues to encourage me in my ministry and in my walk with him. Because when he speaks to me, I think there is something very natural in our flesh that goes, who am I? But what God is saying is, will you move beyond who am I? Will you move beyond who am I and look, who are you? Well, this is good, guys. Some amens every now and then help me out. I just, just so you know, I just, ooh. All right. So then God, well, let me just pull it up. All right, so he says, who am I? 
And I think it's important to see the grace and just the love of God that better. All right. Um, Moses said, who am I? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have been brought to the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. So God graciously goes, hey, it's not about you. I'm with you. It's not church. It's not about you. God's with you. Get that. So verse 13, did Moses get it? Let's see. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Okay, <laughs> okay. okay. it's not about me, it's about you, God. But, uh, but what will the people think? Anybody else wonder what the people think? And let it motivate your decision and what you do. See, here's what happens. God will speak something to you. He'll call you out into something. You'll go, who am I? And God will go, I'm with you. You can do this. Okay, great. Well, but wait a second, God. What will the people think? And Moses immediately goes into that kind of mindset. What are the people going to think? And God goes on and says, tell them I am who I am. And he begins to tell him just the great things that he's going to do through him and with him through the end of chapter 3. And then Moses responds. And you would think at this point that Moses would respond with, oh, okay, I get it, God. I'm ready to go. But he doesn't. Moses answers, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? I, God, what will the people think? Okay, well, God says, the people are gonna, they're gonna listen, they're going to think that I called you. Okay, yeah, but will they listen to me? And God goes on. Moses, yes, they will listen to you. I, I've, I've created you for this time. And so here's what Moses does. All right, what God does. God says, hey, throw down that staff that you're holding. And can you imagine? I wish I could even just do this as an illustration. How cool it would be. But he takes his staff and he throws it down and becomes a snake. Can you imagine that? He jumps back. He's like, oh, and Moses had picked it up by his tail. So he picks it up and it comes back and becomes uh, the, the rod of God, the staff of God. Then he says, put your hand in your cloak. He pulls it out, and it's leprous. And then he says, put it back. He puts it back, and it comes out. Now, you would think that after all of that, you'd be like, okay, this is so cool. Oh, my gosh, did you just see what just happened? And you're going to do this when I go there? Yep, I'm going to do that when you go there to show everybody that I have called you. Okay, let's go. Nope, that's not what Moses does. 4.10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. All right. In Stephen's account, Stephen says that he was powerful in speech. So either we have a great contradiction in the Bible or what I would present to you, and I know there's many different views and opinions, and I guess we'll probably never know until we're up in heaven, but here's what I would present to you. Could it be that how God saw Moses was a powerful and eloquent speaker. And the way Moses saw himself is, that's a whole lot of people I got to talk to, and I'm afraid. Do you know that in surveys in the world today, that people are more afraid of public speaking than dying? Look it up. Look it up. Ranking of fear. People would rather die then get up here and speak. 
Could Moses, in his flesh and in this process, as God called him to do these things, go, um, I don't really like that. I don't know if I want to go in front of Pharaoh and all of the Israelites and, and whoever Egyptians I have to speak. I don't know if I want to do that. And God's going, oh my gosh. Moses, I've created you for this. I've shown you I'm going to be with you. I've given you the things that you're going to do powerful things in front of them to convince them. And now you're complaining about how you're going to say these things? God goes in verse 11. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, Moses. This is my interpretation, sorry. Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. I will go with you and I will teach you what to say. I will go with you and teach you what to say. It actually reminds me of Jesus when he said, you're going to be before the Pharisees and the Sadducees. There's going to be a time where you might have to give defense for uh, what you believe and how, to, how, how I, what you believe, why you believe it. And don't worry about how you're going to do it because the Holy Spirit will teach you. Throughout the word of God, he has made this promise. Don't worry about what to say. I will give you the words. Don't worry about being in front of people. I will help you to do that. Now, I know you look at, at us as the teaching team and go, well, oh, you guys get up there and you just do it so easy. I'm just telling you, every single week there's an anxiety, there's a, um, there's a stress, a little nervousness about speaking. Matter of fact, this week I told my wife, I, I, don't, I don't know. She's like, how's the message? I don't know. This might be one of the dumbest messages I've given. Did I say that? It's, there is always that pressure, that there's always that nervousness. There's always that stretching. God is not going to ask of you something that doesn't take a little bit of a stretch for you to step out into. Do you know why he does that? Why does he do that? So we can depend on him. What? Same thing. So we can depend on him. So we keep our eyes on him. And this is so I hope this is encouraging to you. And I wish it was encouraging to Moses. Because you would think, okay, so who am I? Don't look at you, look at me, okay? Uh, but yeah, but what do the people say? Don't worry about the people. They're going to they're gonna receive you. Yeah, will they listen? Was it? Yep. Matter of fact, I'll show you these signs. Okay, great. All right. You know what, God? I don't speak well. I give you the voice. I will be there. I will speak through you. And Moses says, okay, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send somebody else. Please send somebody else. Man, this story about Moses is so encouraging to me because how many times has God spoke to me and I've just argued internally about what he's saying and not wanting to do it and not wanting to step out and not going into it, afraid of what to say. And even after God reconciles all that, going, you know what, if there's anybody else, God, send somebody else. We're in good company with this, by the way. How about Jonah? Jonah went the absolute opposite way that God told him to go and got swallowed by a fish. 
for three days. By the way, there's a, a new thing out that just came out a couple days ago. A man actually was swallowed by a whale and was in that whale, fully in that whale for uh, 40 seconds or a minute or something. It was no three days. Um, and then was spit out. Look it up online. It just happened a few days ago. It can happen. How about Jeremiah? Jeremiah says, hey, I don't, I don't know if I can speak well. I don't know. He had the same thing. How, how about this one? Uh, we're in good company if you ever have this issue. Um, how about Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane? says, God, if you can take this cup from me. Father, if you can take this cup from me and give it or do something else. But then he says, not my will, but yours be done. And I want to encourage every single one of you that God has a purpose and a plan for each one of us. And he's got great things for you and I. And he's going to communicate those things. And we're going to go through the natural response of arguing with that process. But I want you to keep your eyes fixed on him. I love what, Mo or what God did here to Moses. He gets angry at him, but then doesn't let him off the hook. He, he, it says that he gets angry at Moses and then says, okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to send Aaron, and Aaron's going to come, and if you feel like you can't speak well, I'll use Aaron to, I'll speak to you, you speak to Aaron, and Aaron will speak. And that's what happens. That's what happens. For a while. If you read the entire story, there is a transition, and I'm not exactly sure where it happens, but there's a transition that takes place where no longer does it talk about Moses speaking to Aaron and Aaron speaking, but all of a sudden now it just says Moses spoke. So at some point in the middle of that, Moses was like, I can do this. I can totally do this. I, I got this. Aaron, do you just stay over there, build some cows or something, or, you know, some golden calves? I... I he, he gets the confidence in the middle of that. How, how much more do you think that God wanted him to grab that confidence right away? But he's human. He's just like you and I. And I hope this is a very encouraging message in the fact that when God speaks to you, yes, you're going to have an internal battle. You're going to have a wrestling. But out of that wrestling, let God's way prevail. Get with other believers. Ask them what they think. Let them pull some gold out of you. Let them encourage you. Let them come alongside of you and help you to recognize and discern the voice of God in those situations. I just want to close by sharing a few things that have encouraged me um, in my 25 years of ministry in this story. First one is this. My view of who I am and God's view of who I am are two different things. I have to remind myself daily to line myself up to God's view of me and not my view of me. If that's the only thing you hear today, walk out and walk in that. Don't view yourself through your insecurities, through your uh, um, deficiencies, but look at yourself through the grace of God and the power of God and his character and his name and his nature because when you do that you are going to see yourself differently and you'll step out into things differently if god asks you to go pray for somebody and you think about how you're going to do it you're going to walk away from that person and not pray for them but if god asks you to pray for somebody and you go okay god i can't do it but you can i can't speak but you give me the words i want you to send somebody else, but there ain't nobody else around. 
I'll step into that and watch what God does. Watch the way that he encourages somebody else through you. If you just have a view of how he sees you rather than how you see you. And notice, I didn't even bring out what other people think of you. You should give absolutely zero stock to what anybody else thinks of you. And yet, how much of our lives are we motivated by what other people think? Oh, it's the trap of the enemy, guys. God wants us to see ourselves through his eyes. All right, another thing that I'm encouraged by, and that is this. Gee, you talked about this. Um, I'm encouraged when I read this story thinking about um, how long it took to happen for Moses. And I just put, when things are not happening as fast as I would like. Anybody else have this issue? Moses waited 40 years in the desert, gets these people, goes out, is about to go to the promised land, 10 of the spies ruin it, and he has to wait 40 more years. Any of you in this room good at waiting 40 minutes? And yet the word of God says this, 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. We understand slowness wrong, incorrectly. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. There is a reason for his timing, and his reason might not be fully understandable by you, but understand that his timing is perfect, and if you enter into his timing, that's where the grace and the life and the freedom come in what God's called you to do. Habakkuk 2.3, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Now, those two verses are about the end times, but I think you could actually apply it to the things that God has called you to do. God will speak things to you. He'll give you kind of a quick shot of, here's where I want you to go, and then he'll bring it back to what you need to do today. It says it lights your path step by step. I believe every once in a while he'll give you a big glimpse, but then he'll bring it back. Don't, don't try to rush ahead. I do this all the time. I feel like God gives me something to do, and then I go, okay, thank you, Lord. I got it, and then I make a bunch of assumptions, and you know what that means. And I run out in these assumptions and find out, oh, wait, I missed God's timing in this. Isaiah 40, 31 says, but they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Galatians 6, 9 let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Here's how this played out for me. Um, when I moved from South Carolina as youth pastors, my wife and I, we moved back to Colorado to help Pastor John at Jubilee Fellowship, and I felt like the Lord told me three things. Serve the pastors there. I will make you associate pastor, and then you will be a senior pastor one day. So we do that. We jump in. We start serving with all of our heart. 2005, Jubilee builds their building that they're currently in, and they grow rapidly. And Pastor John comes up to me, and he says, okay, are you ready? Because I had shared those three things. And he's like, are you ready to start your own church? And I was like, I guess so. And so I jump out, and I have a worship pastor. I have a kids pastor. I have an associate pastor. We're ready to go. John, I, John has hired my replacement at Jubilee. 
and we're getting ready to go. And so I'm praying. I get away to pray for vision, direction. God, give me an understanding. Where do you want me to go? What's the vision for this church? What, how do you want me to lead it? And this is what I hear from God. Not audibly, not dead. It came through my thought. I just like to do that to wake people up every once in a while. So here's the thought that I have. Dan, I'm with you no matter what you do. But there's things you need to learn. And you can learn them with covering or without covering. So I called my wife, and she's like, uh, we're not going anywhere. We want covering. And I'm like, come on. And she's like, no, thank God for my wife. And so we actually stopped that process of moving forward. I wonder, had we went ahead and pushed through, I know God would have been with me, but I would have been out of his timing. And what's interesting is about five years later, Jubilee moved into their fourth campus and Pastor John said, hey, I can't do this alone. I need you to move away from Highlands Ranch Campus, and I need you to become associate pastor. And the second he said that, I heard the Holy Spirit go, I told you. I told you. And what was interesting is in the 12 years prior to that, I kept trying to figure out, am I associate now? Am I associate now? Because I, I, I got promoted. I discipleship pastor. I, I was campus pastor. Well, maybe this is it. Maybe, and I just kept questioning. But the second that it happened, I knew that I knew right then this is what God had called me to. Wait till God confirms. Wait on the timing. Don't get ahead of him. Listen to him and step out in the little steps that he tells you to do. Be faithful in those steps until he tells you to take the next step. Don't get impatient. Moses had to wait 40 years. Here's another thing that was encouraging. When God asked me to do something and I argue with him in my mind, we've talked about it, but I want you to understand, don't feel that you have sinned by arguing, by discussing. By going to God and saying, really, is it me? Who am I? I, that's, I believe it's God is showing us that there's a natural process that he wants us to actually wrestle through. And I think a lot of times when people have that doubt or have that question, that they think that they, they've hurt God or offended God. Or um, I, I would submit to you, it would be great if all of us were perfect. When God spoke, we went, yep, and we just moved into it. I just, in 25 years of ministry, just haven't seen that. I see God speak, and people go, oh, but who am I? And go through this process. Don't let the enemy tell you that you are a wretched, miserable person because you have questioned or had some arguments in your own head about what God's calling you to do. I hope that's encouraging to some in here. We talked about when I don't feel when I don't feel that I communicate well. I think that we can understand that. Um, two more, and then we'll finish. Um, the art of delegation. Delegation. This story about Moses, and we didn't really read it, but Moses goes into uh, the desert with the Israelites. The ten spies say we can't take the land. God says, okay, none of these this generation is going to live, so they're going to be there for forty more years. And as they're doing, they begin to set up systems and processes. One of the systems they set up is that Moses um, would be at the tent, and the people, the Israelites, would come to him all day, it says, from morning to night, and they would bring the um, just judgments. Uh, hey, 
Moses, what do we need to do about this? Hey, me and my brother are fighting about this. How do we do this? Can you judge upon this? Can you help us navigate this? Can you do this? All day long, it says. And Moses' father-in-law comes and goes, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. And I want you to listen to what he says in Exodus 18, 17. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to share what he encouraged me one day when I was reading this. And that is that middle section where it says, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. Not only when you get put into positions of leader, as a leader. Now, what is a leader? It's anyone who influences somebody. So if you're a parent, you're a leader. If you're put over one or two people, you're a leader. Don't think of it as, you know, you know, just a pastor. It's anything. It could be somebody in a business out in Castle Rock or in the Denver metro area, and you're leading people. In the middle of that, one of the things that God wants us to realize is that we can't do this by ourselves. We have to bring along people, and we have to delegate things to other people. And um, what's interesting about that verse is that not only... Does it say Moses is going to wear out? But it says the people who are coming to Moses are going to wear themselves out. I don't know why. Maybe it's because they have to wait so long to get to him. Um, but as the story goes, Jethro goes, hey, listen, get a bunch of other leaders that are respected and let them do these judgments. And anything they can't decide, then only let those things come to you. And it just really encouraged me early on in my ministry to actually come alongside people and help them to realize that we need you, I need you, and I'm going to give you some responsibility, and I need you to take it, I need you to run with it, and give that responsibility away. Now, let's be honest. A lot of times, we don't like that, because the people would do things the way you wouldn't do it. But for whoever needs to hear this, I want to encourage you. Ask God, in the thing that he's called you to do, what people he wants you to include, and what responsibilities he wants you to give away. Because if you will do that, I believe you'll actually be a healthier leader than if you just try to do it all on your own. Forever, for whoever that is for. The last one that this story, the entire story, encouraged me is, encourages me with is the struggle of leadership. And again, it's not just pastoral leadership, but here's the truth. If you lead people because you are flawed and they are flawed, I guarantee there's going to be conflict and there's going to be issues that arise. Look at the story of Moses. He goes and he gets the Israelites. They actually go through the Red Sea. Can you even imagine what that looked like? He takes his staff, touches the water, it separates, it goes into two huge walls in between, and the Israelites walk, all million of the Israelites, I think there was about a million people, they walk through the water, and then the Egyptians come after them, and the Red Sea comes crashing down on them. If you want an interesting YouTube, look up Red Sea Crossing, and they actually have some archaeology finds that they believe actually prove the Red Sea Crossing. I don't have time to go into that, but it's super cool. Um, so they see that. It says in the next chapter that they sing this great song of celebration. And within just a few days of that, you would think you could live on that forever. 
a few days later, all the Israelites start going up to Moses, grumbling and complaining. Why did you take us from Egypt? We would have been better starving and dying there than where we are now because we don't have anything to eat or drink. And they grumble and complain. And they did it over and over and over and over again. If you're leading people right now and they're grumbling and they're complaining, don't give up. Don't give in. Understand that God wants to help you navigate through that. And he'll help you lead through that. So go to him and say, God, help me to understand how to provide in a way that brings life to them. And hopefully will we'll change their heart. But the truth is, all of us are flawed and imperfect. And we, how quickly do we forget what happened yesterday and get upset about today? And there's a thing that says that you have to say 10 positive things to overcome one negative thing. And so if that's true, the true, the, the, the issue that we have just being humans is that when something good happens, we enjoy it for the moment, but then we step out, and when something bad happens, we forget the good, and we get consumed with just that negative. And if you're leading people, have that understanding. Try to bring 10 good, positive things into the situation so that then they're not consumed by that negative thing, if that makes a sense. And then my final thought is this, and we'll finish. Um, have you ever thought about God's punishment for Moses? So the end of the story is that, um, bottom line, Moses doesn't get to go see the promised land. And it, if you remember what the, why, yes, Kenny. I will actually, uh, uh, Moses could see the promised land. He just can't enter it. Kenny, Kenny, I didn't even write it in my notes and you got it. I, I want to get you guys this picture. Um, so Moses, the people are grumbling, complaining again. And can you imagine as a leader, Moses just get frustrated. He goes to God. God says, go to this rock, speak to it. Moses is like, yeah, okay, here I go again. I got to prove how good you are and, and walks over. And instead of just speaking to the rock, he hits it twice with his staff. And water comes out, but God goes, hey, listen, because you didn't, uh, let my holiness and, and my way happen. You are not going to enter the promised land. And so we know the story is that as they're about ready to take over the promised land, the 40 years has passed, Moses has to go up to this mountain and he gets to overlook and see the promised land. And so I think a lot of people are like, man, that seems so unfair. Moses worked so hard for you, God. He did so much. Why would you punish him? Because he did that one thing. And I would just submit to you that even in the discipline or in the punishment, Maybe it's not as we actually see it. Because here's what actually took, happen, took place in my mind. He goes up. He walks up. I can imagine he's probably maybe, God, this isn't really fair that I only get to see it. I don't get to enter into it. And, and he walks up to the top of the mountain. And he looks over and he's like, oh, my gosh, the land is, is great. But he also sees all the people. Oh, man, they're going to have to battle and they're going to have to war with all of these people. But, man, it is a, a land filling, flowing with milk and honey. And, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And God says, okay, you got a good view of that? Yeah, yeah, I got it. Oh, man, I, man I'm so bummed that I don't get to go with that. And then it says, Okay, Moses, you're going to die now. And it says that God actually buried him. I'm not sure even how that worked out, but um, that's what the word says, that God actually buries Moses. What happened to Moses in that moment? 
He went to heaven. He went to heaven. Heaven. Okay, promised land, heaven. Promised land, heaven. Promised land, heaven. Desert, promised land, heaven. So his punishment was, oh, you don't get to enter in where you have to fight and battle and and blood, sweat, and tears to to win the land. Uh, You get to look at it and then go, oh, wow, that was so amazing. Holy cow! This is incredible! His punishment was that he didn't get to go from one land filling with milk, milk and honey to a place that was far better. A place that you couldn't even imagine. And so here's what I just want to finish with, and that is this, church. If God's calling you to something, even when you mess up, he's going to use you, and in the middle of that, maybe, maybe you, like the, the saints in, in Hebrews 11, maybe you don't even get to fully see all the things God has called you to do. Ultimately, though, you get to go to paradise, to heaven, to the place that God has planned for you for eternity that's going to be more wonderful than anything that you could have ever imagined. As Peter taught last week, no tears, no sadness. Place of beauty that goes beyond measure. That's the eternal reward. And so sometimes we even think that God disciplines or punishes in such an unfair way. And the truth is, hey, at the end of all of this, we're going to get to go to this place that is absolutely amazing beyond your wildest imagination and dreams. And so don't feel bad for Moses. Don't feel bad for Moses. And I would submit, stop feeling bad for yourself. Understand that God has called you for this time right now. He's got a purpose and a plan for you. And yes, you may argue and you may wrestle with what that is, but get through that wrestling and then move forward into what he has for you. And understand that as you do that and as you keep your eyes focused on him, as you keep your, um, <laughs> your hands clinging to him, he's the vine, we're the branch. Graft yourself into him, and as we do that, understand that, hey, this is just a blink of an eye compared to eternity, and you're going to get to spend eternal life in an amazing place, in the presence of God, and that should be incredibly encouraging, and so you get to choose. You can grieve for Moses that he didn't get to go to the promised land, or you get to celebrate with Moses because he got to go to heaven, and it's all about our perception and the way that we take things in. There's a whole nother message there, but I'll stop. So Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the fact that you encourage us with stories from your word. And so Lord, I pray that this story about Moses would be an encouragement to every person listening. And God, in the way that you've encouraged me in my ministry and my life and and my walk with you, God, I pray that you would use the story of Moses to encourage others in here. Help us to realize that Moses, though we look at him as a, 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 just an incredible character from the word of God, he saw himself as an ordinary person that struggled with what you were calling him to do. God, I pray you would help us to understand that, yeah, when you call us to do things, we're going to have questions. We're going to have these little discussions internally. But Lord, I pray that we would rest on you and how you see us and the thing that you have for us to do. God, give us a boldness and a confidence to get through the argument and to step out into the thing that you have for us. And Lord, we look forward to the great things that you're gonna do through every single person in this church as you call them into what you have planned for them. God, I pray that every person in this room would walk out here knowing they are here on this planet because it is a now time for them. There's a reason they're here. 
They're not just here to aimlessly walk around, but you have a purpose and a plan, just like you did for Moses, you have for each one of us. Encourage our hearts and our minds with those words. Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. Amen.